I'm sorry. But amen. As I've told you all, all week, this is my favorite day of the year. And whether I haven't eaten in 60 hours or not, I am ready to go. So I hope you're ready too. Here's what I want to do. I want to ask you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 13. This is where we're going to start this resurrection day. This is the day that gives us Christians a reason to hold our head up high every single day. This, is a, this day is the very reason that we as Christians can hold our, held, hold our head up high, regardless of who's in the White House, regardless of what's going on overseas, or regardless of what the doctor may call, or regardless of how our relationships look, or regardless of how little money or how much money we have in the bank. This is the very day we have hope everlasting, and we can hold our heads up high and face every circumstance and look at every day and put a smile on our face. Why? Because He has risen. He is risen. Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 26, is where I want to start. And if you're ready, let's, let's get to work. The Apostle Paul goes on to say, Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham, and those among you who fear God, to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize him, nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tomb and laid him, or from the tree and laid him in a tomb. I want to stop there for just a moment because the verse that we're going to read next here in just a second is a very short verse, begins with a conjunction, which isn't usually done, but because of the power and the weight of this particular sentence that's going to begin with a conjunction, this phrase, this sentence that we are going to read next is the, some of the most powerful words you will ever read in the entirety of the Bible. Words that were written or spoken by Paul, written by Luke here, are some of the most powerful words we will ever read in the Bible. We can take Jesus' teaching, we can look throughout the Old Testament, but these are the words that 2,000 years later here on this beautiful April morning, Easter morning of 2022, those words still resonate and give us hope. And, and, and they will propel us or they will change the trajectory of our lives. And these words that were spoken 2,000 years ago by eyewitnesses of the risen Christ are still spoken, are still clinging, or we are still clinging to them. Because this is what was spoken next. After they took him, took him down from the tree and they laid him in a tomb, we're here to celebrate verse 30. But God raised him from the dead. But God raised him from the dead. Whenever we read these words, it reminds us of what the angels said in the gospel accounts when the people went on that day when Mary and the ladies and then went, when they went very early in the morning to anoint his body and they were, they were told, why are you looking for the living among the dead? For he has what? Risen. God raised him from the dead. But God Raise him from the dead. As I read that text, I couldn't help but to think of some people that may be here today. 
I can't help but to think of my own life. How many here have testimonies that begin with the same two words that we just read? But God. I was once broken. And I was once wallowing in sin. And I was once drowning myself in my own sin and my own sinfulness. And all of a sudden I thought I was just going to perish for my sin. But God. Maybe you have a testimony that begins with, but God, because the doctors gave you just a little bit of hope and that things were going to go downhill very rapidly and the doctors didn't know quite what they were going to do and you had maybe even a limited amount of time that you would be on this earth, but God. See, when Jesus walked out of the tomb as a dead man or as a living man in a dead man's tomb, here's what we come to understand, that the realm of possibility with our God is all things. There is nothing outside of the realm of possibility. So here's what I want to do. I want to go to John chapter 10 and John chapter 20 for just a moment. And then I want to come back to this. So John, John chapter 10. And then I want to go to John chapter 20. And in John chapter 10, I want to read verse 11. And then I want to go down to verses 27 through 30. And then we're going to flip over to John chapter 20. So I'll give you a a moment to to get ready. These are words spoken by Jesus as he gives us one of his great I am statements. In verse 11 of John chapter 10, we read Jesus speak, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. When you scroll on down to verse 27, Jesus again speaking as the Jews were questioning him. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. When you turn over to John chapter 20, verse 11 again, we read an account on Resurrection Day. Speaking of Mary Magdalene, at the tomb site, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb, And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she did. She said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. And Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And Mary went and announced to the disciples, I have seen 
the Lord. And he has said these things to her. So whenever we read these accounts, we see first in Mary not recognizing Jesus by appearance. And he, she asks him, where have you taken him? If you've taken him, please tell us where. And then what we see is Jesus calls her name. So there are going to be seasons in life where we, whenever we look at this, we may not necessarily recognize right away that God is doing what he's doing, but we are always able to hear his voice and hear him speaking to us, and we'll get there here in just a minute. So there's going to be seasons in life that we face or that we try to navigate that we can't quite comprehend or understand, but God. There's going to be times where you don't have all the answers for what you're looking at or what you may be facing or what the doctors may give to you or how your children or grandchildren may be behaving, but God. So just because we don't recognize it first, and whenever we read the, the account of the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection, we have to understand that there is nothing outside of the realm of possibility. So though we may have testimonies that begin with, but God, there may be people in here who have testimonies in the future that begin with, but God. There may be people in here whose testimonies will grow or they, they may expand whenever they get a little older or whenever we face different seasons in life, whenever we think there was no hope in this or I didn't know how I made it through this season or I can't believe I have the motivation to get up out of bed and to go to work. I can't believe I can love this person who has done so much wrong to me. I can't believe my children. And we're going to have testimonies that begin with, but God. Two of the most powerful words to begin, one of the most powerful statements. But God raised him from the, the dead. So there's four things that we're going to discuss for just a moment here in a minute that you and I possess by the resurrection of Jesus Christ our Lord. Because we know that he died on the cross for our sin. And by his bloodshed, we can be covered, we can be washed as we sang about. And then by his resurrection, he gives life to those who believe in him and call upon his name. That we will never die, as Jesus said, for God so loved the world that whoever believes, whoever, whoever so broken, whoever so addicted, whoever so drunkard, whoever so fill in the blank, whoever believes in him. Whoever surrenders himself to him as Lord and a savior, whoever follows him, whoever serves him, whoever loves him will never perish but have eternal life. As Jesus said when he referred to himself as the good shepherd, I give them what? Eternal life. I give them eternal life. So whenever I look at this day, this day gives me great hope. Who here has great hope by this day? Just You can just raise your hand. I know it's early. I know it's early. I know you're tired. I know you're hungry because you can smell the bacon and the eggs and the biscuits and the pancakes next door. I promise I won't keep you too long. Too long. But here's what I want you to know. This day is my favorite day followed, you know, after my, then there's my anniversary because I better rank that pretty high. Um, you know, Easter and then, and then Michaela. But, but this day is the day that gives me hope. Here's why it gives me so much hope. Because when Jesus walked out of the tomb, I understand and I believe and I possess the faith that will never be belittled because I don't care what people say or what people say didn't happen or can't happen because I know that Jesus said himself that with God, all things are possible. So I know that regardless of how broken I was and how sinful I may have been and how dead in my sins I was, 
God being rich in His mercy can raise us to life in Christ. And I know that even someone like me or even someone like you who would look at yourself, if you were to be honest with yourself and say, well, there's no reason God would ever love me. There's no reason He should take me. But by His great mercy and by His great grace, He can save wretched souls like us. But then it gives me hope because now my life has changed. And whenever you you grow through your 20s and into your 30s, I always say now that I'm 30, I can say these things, you know, but that I'm changing But now that I'm 30 and a father of four, my hope today is different. I have to tell you, my hope today is different because, you know, for the longest time I was just so thankful on Easter Sunday because I will be the first to admit I should have been sentenced to hell in a handbasket. I was there right with some of y'all, many of y'all maybe. If you were to be honest and not lie in church, we may we may have been saying, God, yeah, we should be there. But God in his mercy and in his grace, went and died on the cross for me and then rose from the dead so that I may live. And and even though that is still great and even though that is why I still celebrate today and that is why I'm so excited to preach today, but as a father of four, things changed a little bit. And now now I look off into the future. And and then I, I picture my four girls who are little now, I picture them growing up to be young women. You know, they talk like they're young women sometimes, and they act like it, but they're not there yet. They're eight going on 18 or 19. They're six going on 16. There's three going on like 30. Uh, that kid, uh, whew, praise the Lord, how all things are possible, all things. But, but my hope is different now because I look into the future and I see four little girls that I have the opportunity to raise and train up in the way of the Lord that I picture years from now, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, sitting around a, a big couch or patio in a family room or around a big table, sitting with my children and my grandchildren. And I'll even allow the sons-in-law that come along. And, and, and we sit around, and I cannot wait to just see the day that we just worship the Lord together. I, I believe and I have the faith that that will guide me through and I, and I have the faith that I believe in my God doing all things and capable of all things. I believe that there are going to be generations impacted by this one day. That, that you and your children and your grandchildren are going to gather around one day and you're going to sing songs to praise to the Lord. And it's all because of one day. This one day will change generations to come. This one day will change all of eternity. And I possess the hope that I'm going to look forward to one day being able to look and say in my life, boy, I had four girls and I could have really messed it up. And I have these, these sons-in-law or these grandkids, Lord willing, And they could have gone many different directions, but God, but God. So, so for you, I don't know where you are today or how your future looks. Just know that you may have a testimony from your past that begins with these two words, but God, but you may also have hope in your future that you can also proclaim these same words because there's going to be a day where I sit around with my children and my grandchildren and we sing songs of praise. And whether they've heard me preach a hundred or three thousand times, I'm going to preach to them and I'm going to minister the, the good news of Jesus Christ because every single person needs to hear it. You all need to hear it. I need to hear it. We need to pass it on. So we come to this day that begins with, but God raised him from the dead. And Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I give them eternal life and I hold them in my hand. Life may be painful, but God holds you in his hand. 
Life may be hard, but God can strengthen. Life may be unpredictable, but God may provide peace. Life may be very difficult, or you may not be able to to know how the bills are going to get paid or how the food's going to get bought, but God will provide a way and make a way. You don't know how you're going to overcome this temptation, but God will provide a way of escape. You don't know how you could ever be loved, but God being rich in mercy sent his son to die for you and to die for me and to rise on the third day to give people like you and I hope that are followers of his. So here's what I want to do. I just want to read or mention four things that you and I possess now on this resurrection day that we will have for all of eternity. The first one is faith. Because of the resurrection of Christ, you know, you'll read Paul's writings to the Corinthians and he will mention that if Jesus did not raise from the dead, whatever we preach is pretty much useless. And believing in Jesus is worthless. If he did not fulfill what he had promised to do, then, then putting our faith and our trust in him would be no, of no point. But because of the resurrection, all things are possible and every promise of God that has, that has been promised will come to pass if it has not already. Therefore, the promise for you and I to live forever and ever as followers of Jesus Christ, it hasn't happened yet because we're still here, but we will one day live forever and ever, and we're going to get to see some people that we've missed for a long time, and we're going to get to worship in the greatest atmosphere you could ever find. And, and if, and if, you know, if you're not a people's person, Jesus is going to change that. Because you're going to be new. You're going to be made new. And you're going to love people, and you're going to hug on people, and we're going to worship the Lord Jesus at, at all time, and we're going to live New. Why? Because he promised it. Therefore, it will happen. So these four things, faith being the first, here's what we must know about this faith that we must possess in Christ. Jesus is the founder and the perfecter of our faith. He is the provider of and purpose of our faith. Faith, when you read the book of Hebrews, is defined as the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction or the evidence of things not seen. My faith is, because of this resurrection, my children and grandchildren will worship too. And they'll sing songs of praise too. And they'll break bread together too. And they'll wake up at 4.45 on a Sunday morning to go to church too. And they'll instill disciplines that are rooted in God's word. And I have the faith and I have the hope. Faith also is in the one sacrifice and in the one resurrection being sufficient for us all. That he doesn't have to go to the cross every single day to pay the debt again because I messed up. But that I may confess my sins to him and have the faith to believe him at his word. That he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. Secondly, we have hope. Hope that this world is not the end. We look forward to, as Peter writes, an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven and us. Let me just ask you, who is ready for that? Who is ready to stop reading on the news people being killed? Who's ready to stop reading on the news one politician party or political party going against the other political party? And if if you're on this side or that side, we can't be friends. We have to hate each other. And and I'm ready to see all of the evil cease. And in that place that, that Peter writes about, that imperishable, undefiled, and unfading inheritance that we have, which is found in Christ... 
In that place, there will be no more tears. There will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. There will be no more death. There will be people rejoicing. There will be lame people walking, blind people seeing. There will be people who are spiritually dead living and praising the Lord. And I'll be right there. And I'm looking forward to that. Therefore, I have the hope that whenever I turn on the news, this isn't all I have to look forward to. I have the hope that whenever I read articles, this isn't all I have to look forward to. I have a hope that will help me navigate every season because I know I can continue on because this is not my home. This is not your home. And because of the resurrection of Christ, we have a home being made by the same hands that were nailed to a cross for your sin and mine. Jesus told Thomas, For I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And he assured his disciples that he was going to a place that they would not understand. And he was going to prepare a place for them. So I have hope today. I have faith today. I have hope today because of this one thing that Jesus did by raising from the dead. Third, I have love. Love. And I'm not just talking about love for my wife or for my kids. I'm talking about an agape love that Jesus demonstrated. Love was the motive behind Jesus coming and dying on a cross and being raised from the dead. And you'll always hear people say that love was what kept Jesus nailed to the cross or love was what glued him to the tree. God demonstrated his great love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Whenever you think about the crucifixion, the cross of Christ, whenever Jesus came and offered him his own life, he did, it was not taken from him. He gave himself up. Whenever he died on the cross 2,000 years ago, there was not one perfect person in the world. Therefore, every single person Jesus died for was sinful, was imperfect. So if you tell yourself, God could never love me, well, there's no reason God would die for me. Every single person around you in this place that may be a Christian was at one point a sinner, was at one point stained by sin, held captive by sin, but Jesus broke the chains of that sin and freed them. If you read the rest of Acts chapter 13, you will read Paul's account whenever he says that Jesus being raised from the dead freed us, his children, in Jesus. But what you also see in love is that love was the commandment that Jesus gave on what we call Monday Thursday as he washed his disciples' feet and as he broke bread together the last commandment that he gave to his entirety of disciples other than the the three sleepers that he had on the mountainside. He said that you shall love one another and that they would be recognized as his followers based off what? Their love for one another. So you and I possess a love from God that is everlasting and we possess a love for God that will never end, but we are also to love one another. To love one another because every single person that you set your eyes on, though you may not agree, though you may not want to sit by, though you may not want to sit by, you know, at the family gathering or the Easter dinner even this afternoon, if we're being honest, you want to stay away because politics are coming up, money's coming up, or whatever else is coming up. Those people you are to love because they are also just as much the reason Jesus died as you are. So therefore, we must humble ourselves and love one another as difficult as it may be. It was commanded by Jesus. The last few words that he spoke to his disciples as they were all together was that they should love one another. 
So therefore I have a love that will never end, given to me by the Lord, one that I offer to the Lord, and one that will be that will resonate through all circumstances, even with all people, that I may look at people and love them as Christ loved us. Fourth and final thing that we possess today as believers, based off and because of this resurrection, is His Holy Spirit. And whenever I was writing these things down, I almost had a thought that it, it kind of appears that the Holy Spirit is completely forgotten about on this day. And the reason I say that is because when you read the words of Paul to the Romans that we all love to that we all love to cling to today, he said, for the same spirit that what raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. So we have to understand that it was the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, but that is also available and accessible to each and every believer in Christ. Therefore, we can be filled with His Spirit. We can be empowered by His Spirit. We can be equipped by His Spirit to know His Word, and we can walk in step. Now, here's where so many people are like, well, I don't know if the Holy Spirit's really in me or not. It's because people fail to walk in step with the Spirit. We, we choose to live life on our own way, doing things how we want, and we are commanded to walk in step with the Spirit of God. And what happens is, as we grow in our faith, as we grow in our hope, as we grow in our love, and as we walk in step with the Spirit, what is done is you are made a greater reflection of Christ for the world to see so that people may see Jesus Christ in you that your testimony of Jesus Christ being raised from the dead is something that is sincere and something that people are able to see in you and the most beautiful thing about these four things and there's many many other gifts that we could discuss today many other blessings that come from the Lord But these are all gifts given to us by our God and by our Father in heaven. And there's a few things about these gifts that we must understand today. They never end. They are completely free. And they were offered to all people that call upon His name. Regardless of how you came in today, these gifts may be offered For you, you may be given a hope that the world does not possess of a home being made by the hands that were nailed to a cross to carry your sin as far as the east is from the west. You may possess a faith in a Lord that nothing is outside of the realm of possibility. Therefore, whatever you may be hoping for and praying for today, we must possess the faith to believe it is possible. And we believe that it is impossible, that it is possible until two things, one of two things happen. One, it happens. Or two, we pass away. But I'm going to believe it. I'm going to picture those days with my kids. I'm going to picture times in which my kids sing songs of praise and I get to preach with them. I'm going to picture days in which I get to instruct my grandchildren and maybe even my great-grandchildren in the ways that the Lord has blessed me or provided for me. I cannot wait. I I look forward to this and I believe it until it happens or until I pass away. And here's what I want every single person in this room to know. God may not answer every prayer that you cry the way that you want it. God may not give you every blessing that you're asking for, but here's what I want everyone to know, and this is what I want to finish with. 
by Jesus dying on the cross for our sin, being buried in a tomb, and then rising on the third day to give us eternal life is more than enough. That is more than you could ever ask or imagine. That is more than you could ever deserve. So everything that He gives to you on top of that, you better cherish it. And you better steward it well because Him dying on the cross for your sin and rising on the, de- on the third day to give you new life is more than you could ever deserve, more than I could ever earn. So everything else is added. Man, I better cherish it and I better worship Him in thanksgiving because of it. And because of that day that Jesus rose from the dead, I realize that my God is a good, good Father and He certainly does provide a way, He certainly does make a way, and He certainly does miracles because on that That day, and on this day today, we have something everlasting. Something everlasting. So today I want you to leave here understanding that if he does nothing else for you in your life, if he doesn't give you the job, if he doesn't increase your payroll, if he doesn't restore that broken relationship, though these things are possible, And we must possess the faith to believe that God will do it. Even though he may not heal the body, his resurrection from the dead for you and for me is more than we could ever ask or imagine. And he owes us nothing. The Lord has given to you all that you need. So today, may we truly celebrate him in his great name, and his great work. Now to close, I want us to, if you have brought communion in, we're going to close a little bit differently than we usually do. And we're all in just a moment going to take communion together. And here's what I want you to do before we open this up. Before we take of these elements together, I want you to just stop for a moment. So once everyone gets situated here and gets your communion, I want you to just stop for a moment. And let me remind you that because of this day, because of the resurrection from the dead, you and I have faith, hope, love, His Spirit, and so much more. So if you're here today getting ready to take communion, I pray and I ask of you to humble yourself before him right now and to spend a moment as we take of these elements, thanking the Lord, doing this in remembrance of him as we remember his death on a cross as we remember the crucifixion account and the story of him being pierced for our transgressions and crushed for my iniquities, as we remember that he laid in a tomb, no one bought it, it was borrowed because they didn't need it very long. And as we remember on the third day, which is the reason we come together at 6.30 in the morning, on a Sunday morning, that he walked out of the tomb. Therefore, I remember that my God died on the cross for my sin, and I remember that he rose from the dead. And here's what I want to ask you to do. If you're here today, and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ or a believer, I'm going to ask that you refrain from taking these elements and give you a moment here at the end of this service to call upon his name. 
I'm not trying to be judgmental or, or, or be harsh by asking you to refrain, but I'm asking this to be a time in which we come to the Lord's Supper as the Lord's people. And for those of you who may not be believers in Jesus Christ or have not truly accepted that free gift of salvation, I'm going to give you a moment here today at the end of the service to begin your journey with the Lord, which begins with your heart being pierced and you believing that Jesus truly was the Son of God. It it begins with you professing with your mouth and believing in your heart that He is the only way. And what I want to do is that if that is you today, I want to ask you to get with me immediately following church or get with me this week so I can walk alongside of you as we can navigate this new journey that you may be taking. Because what I want for all people in this place is to call upon His name, to be baptized in His name, to be empowered by His Spirit. And for the chains of sin to be broken and you to be free. So at this time, I'm going to ask that you would open up your bread, your little cracker. And as we hold this up, we remember that this cracker is a representation of the body. Pierced for our transgressions. Crushed for our iniquities. Scarred beyond recognition. By his stripes, on that scarred body, we may be free. We may be saved. Let us take this bread in remembrance of him. Now as we open up this juice, as if you can, without spilling it all over yourself, you don't want to do that at 7.30 in the morning on Easter. May you hold this up. May we get ready to drink this juice as a representation of the blood that was shed that stained two wooden beams 2,000 years ago, but that covers sinners like you and I for the rest of time on this earth. That covered me. That covered you. That saved you from your sin. That gave you hope everlasting. That gives you eternal life. May we remember that I once was lost, but now I'm found. 